Thanks, Steve. You know, Steve has changed over the years. Last time I was with him, he had an afro, and he, we call him Twiggy. I don't know if that, you know, computes with anybody here, but uh, hey, good to be with you guys. Um, you know, before I get into what I'm going to say here today, um, I want to tell you about a dream I had last night, and uh, it had to do with today, just being with you guys, and um, it was kind of funny. Uh, I was in heaven, and uh, I was walking around with these angels, and they sa- I said, you know, what's... Um, what do you want to show me first? And they said, well, we want to show this thing called sinometers, S-I-N-O, meter. And I said, what is it? It really detects sin in people uh, currently that are still alive. And uh, I said, well, what about Mother Teresa? And, of course, she's, well, she's gone now, but it was kind of frozen. Uh, Billy Graham was moving very slowly. Mine had cobwebs on it. <laughs> and I said, what about John Lee? I'm seeing him tomorrow. And they go, John Lee, John Lee. Oh, we moved his into the kitchen. We're using it as a fan. <laughs> Gagoof. You have a high hat here? I don't. But uh, just teasing a little bit. But uh, hey, good to be with you guys. I want to. Uh, I am going to tell a few stories here today that are true. Let me <laughs> tell you a true one now. I was on my way to speak at a uh, Nazarene church here in town, and. Uh, kind of a cool thing. They don't call it, like everybody says, we're not really Nazarene. We're not really Baptist. And okay, you know, but, you know, so anyway, going to this not really Nazarene church. And uh, on the way over there, um, I was on the verge of being late. And uh, I have these special, um, it's a DNA thing. I was born with it. Uh, nose hairs that, that connect with coffee smells. I'm driving along. I didn't even know it was there, and then the, the car actually steers itself like one of those new things, and next thing I know, I'm standing in front of Starbucks. It's a big one, and I honestly don't know where it is. It's part of a kind of an outdoor little strip mall thing, and it's one of the biggest ones I've ever seen, and uh, so in there waiting in line, and you know, hurry up, I'll go speak, and as I'm in the, I get to the front, and this is something I do uh, a lot, and something I can just to you, you might want to consider doing as we talk about the, the power of kindness, and uh, as I'm there, I got to the front, and I ordered my whatever it was, and back here, there's two people. Uh, she has a, a yellow pad in her arm and a pen, and he's back there looking kind of, you know, I don't know, I don't know, like no affect, I guess. And I said, so what are you guys ordering, and why would you ask that? Because I want to give you a little bit of, you know, I just want to show you a little bit of God's kindness. And, uh, uh, and the lady says, what did you say? And I said, a little bit of God's kindness. Well... She lets out this. She bends over like this, first of all. She lets out this, I guess it was a groan, not, not a scream or whatever. It is so loud. The entire place turns and looks at me, and I take a giant step backwards. I didn't touch her. I didn't say anything. And, uh, and so and she was, by the time she did it for like 30 seconds, she was exhausted, kind of going. <sighs> and uh, his, her husband puts his hand on her back, and he says, it's okay, honey. It'll be okay. And, uh, of course, um, standing there, I don't even know if they got their drinks, but uh, I said, uh, well, you know, out of curiosity, what's going on here, you know, <laughs> just kind of hit me. And uh, she says, uh, starts to haltingly speak, and she, again, she's kind of out of breath still. And she says, last night, our daughter, um, uh, you know, we have other kids, but she's kind of the, the best kid, you know. And uh, she's our only daughter. She went to a party, and uh, she took ecstasy. And, um, and the next thing you know, she's on the floor, has a heart attack, and dies right there on the spot. And so we're here, and we're planning her service. That's the, uh, 
oh man, the uh, yellow pad. And so um, you said that uh, you want to show us a little bit of God's kindness. And she goes, but we're Jewish. I said, well, there is a Jewish God too. You know, he's the same God. And Jesus was Jewish. And, and uh, I, I basically, you know, we talk about the angle scale, which measures how far away are you from Christ. And the crossover to the positive, how far have you grown in Christ? And I would say they jumped about five points in one little, you know, coffee. Three bucks, I think I could afford that. And uh, planted a, you know, there's seeds we can plant. This is an avocado-sized seed, you know. And uh, walked away and, uh, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to the rest of my life pay for people's Starbucks behind me. And it's as simple as saying, so what are you ordering? And they're going to look at you like, what's up to you? And I said, well, I just want to pay for your coffee. And even if you don't get to pay for it, and they said, no, I'm not going to let you. You say, well, and then you tell them, yeah, what I do is uh, I just want to show God's love. And they're going to go away no matter what their overt reaction is and their thinking. It begins to, the wheel turns. What kind of people would show you God's love in a practical way? And, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, uh, people ask me all the time, how did you follow up on that? And, and I always say, we don't. Uh, the Holy Spirit does. And the, the funny thing is, I said, you know, we're not that organized. It's not like, uh, you know, a Mission Impossible thing where she sprays the thing as yellow on the guy's shoulder. You, you saw that one. You know, we're not nearly that organized. And, you know, we have a radio system, uh, you know, one-niner. You know, he's pulling his driveway now. You know, and, you know, nothing like that. But, you know, the Holy Spirit has a way of, of uh, following up on his seeds. And so I'm going to keep on keeping on doing it and doing it and doing it. Let me, let me jump into um, our, our message here today. I, I call it 3.5 ways to do good or to do better. And uh, uh, I, I, this verse here is so, so, so cool. A little bit of background. Peter is uh, up on the roof, and uh, which is kind of funny. You know, <laughs> my, my kids, two of my kids live in, in uh, Brooklyn. And so you see these people, you know, having uh, apartments and, you know, gardens and everything on the roofs. So I don't know if that was what he had going there, but he's lying down, taking a little bit of a, a snooze. And uh, he sees a vision, and you perhaps are familiar with this. He, this uh, sheet comes down. It has all these uh, non-kosher foods. And uh, it happens a couple of times. And Peter goes, you know, I would never eat that. I want to follow you, Lord, whole heart, strength of mind. And, and God says, don't you know, don't disagree with what I am up to. Whatever I'm up to, you know, that's the bottom line. Well, he goes to Cornelius' household. There's more to it. There's a knock at the door, etc. The next day they go to Cornelius' house, which we don't know how far away it is, but it's, it's a distance. And Peter does his second spontaneous sermon. The first is Acts 2. You know that one. Several thousand came to the Lord. The guy's got a track record, wouldn't you agree? And uh, this one, he has a little more time to work on it. So I suspect he had his, his iPad with him. Of course, it was a rock iPad, and uh, probably the Wi-Fi wasn't very good, like most places in the Middle East. And so he's walking along, you know, getting verses and, and thinking, and he gets to Cornelius' household, and it's packed with people that don't, I call them not yet Christians. You might want to put that in your heart. They're not non-Christians. They're not Norwegians. They're, that's me, uh, they're uh, not yet Christians. There's two kinds of people in the world, Christians and not yet Christians. You got that? I had a guy tell me, what, is there a third category? I said, no. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, there's two categories of big-time wrestling. Those who believe it's for real and those who don't, those who don't yet understand it's for real. And so that kind of thing, one or the other. And so what it comes down to is uh, Peter starts to talk, and it's, it's an amazing little diatribe, very quick. You know, I, I don't know if I, 
you know, I don't know for sure if everything that is spoken was the entire message. You know, when Jesus gives a Sermon on the Mount, was that all he said, or is it a summary? And here with Peter, we don't know if it's a summary or word for word, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they probably had the, you know, voice to text, and I think of it. You know, so he's speaking, and it goes on his iPad, whatever. But um, he, he says these words. My thing's falling off here. He says these um, words, which are so powerful. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. If you want to read it with me, um, well, I'll read it from there. Uh, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. New American Standard. There, there's a, another version which is slightly different. Uh, Jesus went about doing good to all kinds of people. And I, I, I kind of like that little snippet. I think it's from the King James, if I recall correctly. But let me just pull that apart for you and, and mention a couple of angles there. And uh, um, we might just have a really short service here. I don't know. But uh, I didn't sleep much last night because I was getting dreams. Um, okay. So about John Lieb. I mean, gee whiz. Is that a German name, John Lieb? Lieb. Really? You're kidding. Now your nose is growing like Pinocchio there. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, I like that, that first part of it. He says, he went about. If you look at there, he went about. And, you know, I, I think there's a, a secret there that I think we need to grab. Not really a secret. But we need to, a correction maybe. For me, certainly. And I'm getting better at this all the time. But, you know, especially for, I think... Um, uh, mature Christians, uh, pastors um, think they're mature, but often they're not necessarily more mature than anybody else. You know, but um, I, I think that we have gone, come to the conclusion that um, the more you study, the more you stay out, stay behind, the more you get in your prayer closet, as we call it, um, the more mature you are. It's information, information, information. But as Jesus was modeling it, and as Peter's commenting on it. He didn't stay behind doing this, I would call it um, pseudo-spiritual stuff, but he was doing the authentic stuff of going about people, getting out. He unshackled himself from behind the, the prayer closet, which we're not minimizing the power of prayer, the need for prayer, but if you don't go out, it's never going to work. Okay, you with me here? Um, it's, it's kind of the... Uh, the tip of the, the, the spear or the, the whatever, you know, you, uh, wherever the tip is, the rest of it will follow. And as we go out among people, then I think that all that we have in our hearts to do, all that God wants to express through us begins to happen. And so I, I've had, you know, all sorts of, you know, odd things happen over the years with uh, planting churches and discovered that um, most places when you go to plant a church, it's, I call it hard scrabble. Yeah, it's kind of the chicken trying to get something off the, the ground. It's asphalt, and the, can't get it off the ground. And I love chickens. I mean, they're the coolest. Next to turtles, they're my favorite animals. And hamsters, no, pardon me. It's turtles, then hamsters, then chickens. I, I change the list all the time. But anyway, uh, you know, and they, they scratch, and they're making their noise, and they have, they have eyes on the sides of their heads, which is very cool. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, how many animals? They're not up here. They're over here. I call it the chicken eye. You know, up, 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 up. And, and, uh, and uh, so, uh, but the hard scrabble makes it difficult. And to do this well, we've got to say no to our natural inclination, no to what's easy, 
and say yes to what we have in our hearts to do that God has put there and that Jesus wants to express to us. So it says that he went about, um, and, I, and I think what it was is they, that he just said, you got to open your heart and say, you know, I don't want you to pull a rabbit out of your hat or make something happen magically. Just, you know, be open in your heart. And, you know, that's all that we can do, just be open. Uh, I, I love the, the guy who actually started the vineyard wasn't John Wimber. John was the, I call him the franchiser of the vineyard. Uh, the guy who actually started was a guy named Ken Gellickson, who was part of the Jesus movement, was Chuck Smith's a first assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel way back in the day. And uh, Ken, uh, by the way, is in very poor health. He, can, he has uh, a form of, uh, oh heck, what's it called? But it's a neurological problem. He can barely walk and so forth. It's just a tragedy what's going on with Ken. But uh, Ken has said uh, many times, he says, we're either a, a pipe or a pan, pipe or a pan. If we're a pan, we just gather and hang on to it. But if we're a pipe, we, uh, we get it and we give it away. Get it, give it away. And uh, so if we're a pan too long, people begin to ask, you know, what's that green stuff? That's the moss that's growing in your life because you haven't gone out. You haven't given away. You haven't been a pipeline. And so I think what Jesus is modeling here that, that Peter's commenting on is that he said he went about, in other words, he was a, a pipe, not a pan. And I think it's so easy for us to talk ourselves into, even in well-meaning Christian circles, uh, books, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to begin to equate uh, information with maturity. And I'd say nothing could be further from the truth. As you begin to go out, guess what happens? You become hungry as all get out to pray. You become hungry as all get out to be with other people that are believers, whatever you want to call that, discipleship or fellowship, what have you. You become hungry, hungry, hungry. You with me? But as you do almost anything else, it will not only not make you hungry, it will get you to, to justify what is not our natural inclination. When you and I came to the Lord, the Spirit of God was implanted in us, and that Spirit has a universal hunger in us. Well, He is the Spirit, God's Spirit. And, and that's, that Spirit is to love, to accept, to embrace. And to do that, you've got to get out. Does that make sense to anybody here? John's shaking his head. I appreciate that, John. And everybody else is going like this. And, but, okay, I love teasing you guys. You know, you know, Columbus people are really fun to tease, I've discovered. And uh, Cincinnati people, not so much. But uh, <laughs> Columbus people, because I think you guys are far smarter, and frankly, you get it better. Don't tell anybody Cincinnati said that. I don't live there anymore, by the way. I live in Los Angeles. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, so we went out. It was not as difficult as you may think. And, and I think we need to... This whole idea of going out, I, I, I didn't talk about this. I give a completely original message every time I, I do. A little bit of kidding there. But I was giving a, I made that point. <clears throat> this guy comes to me afterwards, and he says, you know, I'm not wearing a gray suit with a, a vest. And I said, uh, what? And he's thinking of Jehovah's Witnesses or something. You know, with a little, I said, you made the briefcase? Yeah, that's it. I go, you know, you, are, you didn't hear a word I said, probably. <laughs> And I said, just <clears throat> drop every concept you've had of showing people God's love, of going out and doing outreach. We used to use the word servant evangelism, which is great. But when you use the E word, I call it, you're probably going to scare the, the daylights out of most people. So let's just use the word. I like the word outreach. And so we now are using more or less the, the word kindness outreach, and thus kindness.com, et cetera. And so <clears throat> just, just drop all of your... Your, the stuff you carried in with you, the stuff you, I don't know where you got it, you know, who knows, but it's really as simple as anything you can imagine. 
be a pipe, not a pan, and see what God will do. Number two, uh, <clears throat> he went about doing good, about doing good. Now, you hear <clears throat> some people that are um, theologically uh, conservative versus liberal. This is interesting. I didn't know this until the last several years. I live in Claremont, California, uh, in the L.A. basin, but it's on the eastern-ish edge, out by, if you know Riverside, you hear that, or, or Ontario, it's out that direction. And there's five, they call them the colleges of Claremont. And uh, they all are highly ranked, super expensive. Now, to get into these, guess what? A 4.0 is not going to cut it. You have to have a 4.2, minimally 4.2. You know, when I was in high school, there was no such thing as a 4.2, unless you didn't do math very well. And uh, I was talking to a guy at their bookstore the other day. He goes, yeah, I kind of made it by the skin of my teeth. I was only a 4.3. And... uh, Okay, I bet you have stomach aches. And, uh, and so anyway, at this uh, deal there, <clears throat> what was I talking about? Okay, <laughs> go about doing good. That there's, in, in this part of, the, of, the, of, the, of Los Angeles, you got to kind of adjust what doing good looks like. Because what you and I would do in various parts of Columbus or Claremont or Pomona's right down the street are very, very different. In, Cl- in Claremont, get this, you cannot park your car on the streets at night. Okay, <laughs> that's hoity-toity, would you agree? And if you park it at night, they'll give you a big ticket and so forth. Where do you park it? You, well, it's up to you to find out, you know. <laughs> Hopefully you have a garage, you know. And so, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, what, what happens is, uh, and, and then, by the way, the uh, average income is $500,000 in this area here. And I mean, it's incredibly off-the-scale expensive, et cetera. And uh, for a 1,100 square foot condo, which we lease, it's about what a uh, would have been about a close to a 5,000 square foot uh, place in, in Portland, where we were up there helping a group. I mean, that's a jump. Would you? I mean, it's just crazy, you know, stuff going up there. But anyway, <clears throat> we've had to go and figure out what would what would be a way to show the to show good to people that live in Claremont. We had to go and, and think it through, and we're still discovering, but. Uh, I may be pushing some buttons here, but the new thing I'm trying now is buying cigars and giving them out to guys and, um, you know, not just anybody. Um, women, you get a little teeny cigar. But uh, <clears throat> men get a Churchill, you know, one of these things. And uh, so, and for sure, anybody who's negative or religious would uh, do something in their pants. And what I, uh, you know, I like, I like pushing those buttons. You know, it's kind of... I know, it's kind of dark and twisted, but I just love pushing buttons on, especially those kinds of folks, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so we're just now getting into cigar giveaways. And uh, so I didn't bring any with me to show you. And uh, I, I got the idea, by the way, in Denmark. I was there speaking at a, a bunch of Lutheran churches in Denmark. And would you like to have fellowship with us, Steve, after the, the, whatever the talk was in the evening? Sure. And they came out these little cakes and cookies, and then you get a little a dimitas of coffee, super strong, a little teeny cup. And then they passed around the cigar boxes. And these women who were like, you know, way, they're like my mom's age. They all pull out a cigar, and they light them up, and they're, you know, smoking and talking, you know, theology and Danish, this and that. It's hilarious. All I can think of is this song I learned in grade school. There's a place on Mars where the women smoke cigars. <laughs> And the men don't care because they don't under, wear underwear. You, did you hear that? You know, and they're, watch this ring, you know. And 
Oh my gosh, it was absolutely hilarious. I, I, I was, you know, wishing later, I, it was before iPhones with cameras on were out, and, you know, wishing I had that with me. But <clears throat> doing good, doing good, doing good. And, you know, uh, there's ways of doing good that are unlimited. And depending, I, I think, to a large degree, where you are, are called. If you're in Claremont, He's going to have you do, you know, maybe do three or four things to show God's love. And whether it's a, an organized going out, kind of a, an outreach, or it's just you stumbling along in life, you know, you go to Starbucks kind of thing. And <clears throat> we've been, uh, you know, practicing both ways. Because we want to touch a lot of people on a grand scale, you almost have to have a way of doing it with a, a number of people at a time. You see what I'm saying? I was in Kenya a while back, and uh, it wasn't Nairobi, it was a... There's a bunch of cities there. It's called El Duret. And there's, <clears throat> and it's amazing as Americans, I saw a map the other day of America, and the East Coast was New York and went down to Florida, and then there's a little teeny shirk around Chicago, and then there's nothing in between. <laughs> Ohio, forget it. I'm from Kansas, forget it. And over in Can- California, it was gigantic again. So we think that's the entire world. But, you know, Kenya has cities that are close to a million. We've never even heard their names because we're Americans. And, uh, so uh, we went there, and, and we were giving away uh, We tried several things to show God's love. Gave away bananas. Bananas? They said, well, we're giving away dessert bananas. I said, what's that? Oh, those are one of 20 bananas we have in Kenya. They go, you know, I'm serious. They have more than a dozen kinds of bananas. You know, the little teeny ones that are sweet, and people love those. So we did that, and people are, you know, their jaws drop. Why would you show me God's love with a banana? Oh, just because Jesus is head over heels in love with you. Really? And then uh, I was talking to one of the primary pa- oh pardon me one of the primary pastors there, and he I said I told him a story about picking up trash. He got this light goes on and he says here's what's going to happen we're going to meet at seven a.m. this coming Saturday everybody's bringing a little bucket we're going to be a human vacuum cleaner and we're going to join arms and then pick up and we're going to sing worship songs. And I said well a they aren't going to come at seven o'clock because that's when cartoons are on. And uh, secondly. You know, yeah. Beanie and Cecil, those are my favorite old-time characters, you know. And uh, row, row, you know, the Astro. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, we're out there. They're out there picking things up. And can you imagine several hundred people? They all show up, by the way, because this is Kenya. And they don't mind doing what their leaders tell them to do. You know, uh, Americans, you know, they would write a book on controlling this and cults. And, I mean, you know, he's trying to tell me what to do. Uh... <laughs> Where is that? Well, it's in the Bible, I think, but uh, they're called leaders. But uh, we don't like to be suggested, told, and, you know, if I feel inclined, I probably show up, but it better be after noon, you know, because 7 a.m., I'm still sleeping. Well, anyway, they, they do show up. There's like 700 people. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't 700. It was, it was more than 100. Like, it was, you know, noteworthy. And they all have these little buckets, and they're picking up trash and every piece of, of dirt and, and uh, debris, glass, and cigarette butts. Well, this photojournalist from uh, Kenya, from Nairobi, shows up, has a a, a photographer with her. They snap all these pictures, go over and um, interview the pastor, and on the front page of the Sunday edition, which is the big one of the week, they had a picture in a major article. And this, get this, this is the first time in, in, in decades, anyway, that they've ever had a positive article about Christians. And, and my Roby, yeah. isn't that cool or what? And so, <clears throat> it's all from you know doing good and and you know knowing just being open to what what could happen and and so forth. And and I think that <clears throat> what was going on, and I think with with Peter, 
talking about Jesus is that Jesus, as well as I think the people who who followed Jesus, he was modeling to us what the Christian life is about. Would you agree? It wasn't just Jesus. He's saying this is normal. This is normal. When he calls himself the son of man, every single time, it's, uh, it's not violating his Godhead. It's saying, you know, especially I'm the son of man. I am, I am man and God. Now, here's what I'm doing. Now, you come along, and I'm, I'm going to show you what to do. You guys do it too. Is that, you know, so we are <clears throat> sons of God too. And I think that Jesus as Peter did, hopefully all the 12 that were there, would begin to anticipate the next assignment that God would give them. Not to say, you know, one of these days, you know, that, that term, um, random acts of kindness, I, I don't like it whatsoever. Uh, I, I always say this is not random. And there's no butterflies and no daisies on it. If you see that, okay. You've seen those things, it's, you know, not that men wouldn't like it, but I just don't have a collection of daisies in my, you know, my journals here. But, uh, <clears throat> anticipating, I know just any minute now, uh, I'm going to pick up on the next little itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini assignment that God is giving me. And so <clears throat> what it comes down to is that uh, we have our, our radar, our sonar, our whatever, whatever um, going on so we can pick up on the next thing God has for us. Because guess what? We are professional fishermen. We are not just sportsmen. There's a movie called The River Runs Through It. It's kind of a neat thing in Montana or whatever. It's just fly fishing, you know, thing with, you know, and so forth. That's sports fishing. That's fantastic. I love that kind of stuff. I love the movie especially. But guess what? We are commercial fishermen. You with me here? We're commercial fishermen. What, not that we count numbers only. In my mind, God's only call for a church is to be a life-giving not size-oriented at all, to be life-giving. When people walk in, when they touch, when they hug, when they are shown love, that they feel the, the presence and the life of God through that pipeline. Are you with me, guys? It's not a stagnant bowl or, or pan, but it, it's turning green, but it's a, the pipeline of God's presence. And so uh, I think that Peter, certainly Jesus, was his, the motto was, any minute now, there's going to be a chance for another connection because I'm a professional fisherman, not a sportsman. And every once in a while, I stumble across it. And you know, as I, a friend of mine likes to fish, and I like to fish. That uh, that um, we would say there's a big difference between fishing and standing by the side of the river, looking like an idiot with all the equipment. And uh, I was always into. At the time, even, I, I really, I, I think there's things that happen to us in the physical realm that actually are, are reflections of what the spiritual realm is all about. It makes sense to you guys? That you do something down here, and then you become a believer or whatever you begin to realize. That was in my heart all along to do the spiritual thing. With me and a couple of friends, <clears throat> we said, we're going to fish. And we were, I think, under teenage age, like 12 years old, going into 7th, 8th grade. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, what is the worst that could happen if we go out and do these illegal approaches to fishing? And, uh, and we both said, you know, no big deal. If they show up, we say, I'm only 12 years old. And they'll say, well, don't do it again. We had all these incredible ways of doing it. We had trot lines, if you know that term. You put a line up and you have supposedly four hooks maximum. We had like 12 hooks. And so <clears throat> even if they swam down, we'd hook them in the back or something. And so every day, it's not a matter of will you catch fish, but how many will you catch fish. We tried electricity. I had a magneto. You do one of these things, and the fish kind of go to the top. They're not dying. They just get stunned. And so we just look at them and go, I think we'll take that one and that one. 
the little ones, go ahead and go back. Uh, we did. We had a fish trap that was about five feet long and had a funnel thing going into it, a chicken wire, and we put something rancid in there. And uh, catfish love rancid. We go back every day, and there'd be new catfish in it. That's illegal. But the most fun thing was we learned how to use explosives. I love to blow things up. My word. And uh, I think the very best church planters are people who love guns, especially shotguns, get the, the visceral. <laughs> and, and they, <clears throat> okay. and they, they love to start fires. And, and I think the other thing is they, uh, oh, anyway, fires and guns anyway. And not that they're pyromaniacs, but anyway, we figured out a way to make uh, bombs out of something called carbide. Some of you guys know what that is. Put a big, uh, you know, bell jar with real thick glass, put rocks underneath it, put the carbide on it, which is explosive, and it takes off and makes gas. We screw it on real tight and throw it in. The deepest part, it goes down. Wait about a minute. Kavoo! Again, the same thing. Uh, fish come to the top, and I'll take that one, that one, that one. And so we come back after 45 minutes. We have a huge stringer of fish. Day after day, my mom's going, man, that's a lot of fish. Yeah, they're biting today, mom. You know? <laughs> to this day, she does not know what we were doing. But we were entering the world of professional fishing. God has called you and me and all that we know who love Jesus follow hard after him, as the Psalms say about David, following hard after God to be professional fishermen. Not just fly fishermen every once in a while hits us. You know, we haven't gone fishing yet. It's already July. Well, you know, we're, we're professional fishermen. We got the whole thing turning on. And, you know, we went from having... Uh, you know, before we came to the Lord, we were kind of like some of these guys you see driving the, the car where the, <laughs> the uh, antenna's been knocked off. They put a coat hanger on there. Have you seen that? With duct tape at the bottom of it. We're, we turned that in for some real authentic, very sensitive, looking for the very next, anticipating the very next thing. Not random exokinus, but planned, anticipated. Any second now, a door's going to open. You know, a, a random exokinus, every once in a while, you know, going along and a, a butterfly flies by and I don't know, but I keep saying butterflies, but they're, they're fine too. But, uh, but what it comes down to is that I think today, uh, I can't control everything, but I think today something really great is going to happen. As we get together and go do our deal in, you know, in Columbus, this part of Columbus, or in Pomona, which is next door, you can actually park your car on the street in Pomona. Thank you, Lord. Uh, there's a vineyard right down the street in Pomona, and I always say to them, you know, what's it like to be able to park your car at night and have to move it during... But anywho, let's go on from there. Um, and then lastly, I like this point, all who were oppressed. All who were oppressed. Would you agree that uh, those who know the Lord versus... Well, actually, everybody on the planet is oppressed to a degree. And uh, that's one of those things I hear people say, he was... Uh, he was uh, well, the, the, the words you hear from the non... Even from Christians on occasion, he is possessed. You know, I think it's, you know, that's a way strong word. I, I like to say there's a lot of oppression, but uh, it's almost like they can't control themselves and they're in a, in a straitjacket or something. But I think oppressed is really a better word, is that we are, uh, and I think the people that Jesus was reaching out to, all who were oppressed, he was looking for people that didn't get it, they didn't connect, they had a misunderstanding about God. And so he's saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to touch the oppressed, all. Now, what does it mean, all? It's kind of like going back to uh, he did all sorts of, of good. I, I think there's no limit to the good we could do. At the same time, there's no limit to the number and sorts of people we'll draw in. 
Guess what? As commercial fishermen, we aren't going to toss anything out. We like carp, we like bass, we like catfish, along the line. You, you follow what I'm saying? We aren't picky. You can make sushi out of anything, pretty much. And so we go along. I got to go out on a boat when I was in college. I lived in Norway, going to college in northern Norway. And uh, uh, I got to go out on this guy. He didn't speak a word of English. He was a kick. Um, he had this, uh, northern Norway is kind of like the Oklahoma of Norway. It's north instead of south. And uh, people make fun of them and, you know, the bumpkins from northern Norway and um, but Oslo and those places down there, those are the nice, very chic, upscale. But um, as you're going out, uh, he's mostly a, uh, a shrimp fisherman. They were the medium-sized shrimp. And uh, so we're catching this and that. And probably about every time we draw in the net, it, he's gone through, he draws it for about half an hour, then he pulls it up, then he draws it for half an hour for all day long. It was really a kick. You can eat all the shrimp you want because he boil it right there in the spot. You know, you can eat too much shrimp. And then you don't even want to hear the S word ever again. You know, it's like, if you see one of those things, see it, there's a small little white thing. You know, that's, don't use the word shrimp, please. And I, I got so sick of, you know, eating it, uh, but a, a big, you know, couple liters of shrimp. And, uh, but anyway, um, every time he drew up the net, guess what? It wasn't just shrimp. It was all sorts of other stuff. And I made the mistake of saying, so that stuff you throw back in, he looks at me like, uh, <laughs> you must be a knucklehead. You know, we don't throw anything back. We don't throw anything back. The most famous scary fish in Norway, it's that whole, I, I, I think that whole Scandinavian west coast, because Norway is shaped kind of big here, and then it goes up, touches Russia, Finland, Sweden, and it comes back down. But um, is this fish, and it grows all over these places. It, I'm not sure what it would be called in English. I'm not sure we even have it, but it's called a, a stone biter in Norwegian, a stone biter. There's all these stories about a big one can take a, a pretty good sized stick and chomp once and break it in half. And it, they're kind of like a, it looks like a dinosaur, huge here, and then it tapers down. Looks, you know, kind of scary looking. And we caught a couple of the Steinbeats, that's what they call them. And um, I said, aren't those dangerous? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> he pulls out his 45 and shoots it right. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know, one of those things. Because they don't want to get bit on their foot or whatever, because it's dangerous. But they are going to keep it. It's a wonderful fish once you get past the danger. And uh, so here's, here's the deal. We are fishermen. We don't care what kind of fish. We're going after all kinds of fish. I hear people say every once in a while, John, you've heard this, homogenous people groups. Churches that do well, they have an homogenous people group. They drive the same kinds of cars, make the same amount of money, live in the same neighborhood. And I go, well, that sounds nice, but it's not biblical whatsoever. Acts 2, okay, what happens if spirit falls? How many people groups come together with entirely backgrounds that are different? They're all Jewish, but they come from all over the world speaking Sometimes a completely different dialects of, of Hebrew or even other languages, Greek, etc. They don't speak Hebrew. Well, they come together. Could you get more diverse than that? Hello. It's not a, a homogenous group. It's a scattered, uh, you know, shotgun of, of people groups. And I think when that happens, we value every kind of fish. He, he went out and he, he uh, touched all. That's the key word, the all who were oppressed. I think we begin to get connected with what he's all about. And, and so we, we are not just a, we're not just bass fishermen. We're like, have you seen those boats? They go out for, in the ocean, they have like five different lines. You know, this is specifically after that, that's specifically after that, et cetera. And we, we really will never, ever cast off any kind of fish that comes along. And, and so I, I think that's the, the mindset of Jesus. And the funny thing is, I think we need to, to do that when we say all, 
what's going to happen in many of our situations is we're going to run into people, uh, maybe not immediately, but fairly quickly, people that drive us nuts. Uncle Bob at Thanksgiving, coming up not too long from now. He's the guy that comes early and drinks the whole day. He's passed it on the couch, and you're the one who has to carry him out to his car. And, uh, and then he vomits sometimes on you. you know? And then Uncle George, uh, who has uh, some kind of a problem uh, going to the bathroom, and he's in a wheelchair. Can you lift me up? And didn't quite make it in time. Okay, stop right there. But uh, I am telling you about my family, okay? The Shogrins versus the Knightons, and they're all from Kansas. They're second-generation Swedish people. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I could tell you stories, but we'll stop right there. It gets really bad after that. Um, okay, so anyway, all who are oppressed. And we need to, to practice being uncomfortable is what I think it comes down to. Practice being uncomfortable. Get used to the, the norm is uncomfortable. The norm isn't, uh, uh, you know, just the, you know, the easy stuff to do, but it's, it requires the, the Spirit of God to, to be a pipeline through us. That makes sense to you guys? Because Steve on his own will just always be a pan, and he gets more and more green. But as Jesus shows up, there'll be a, a pipeline of his love flowing out from me. And, and here's my thought is that it changes everybody and everything in its path. And when you're living with that, there's a word, I'm probably, I don't want to go too far into this, but there's a word quickening. We actually talked about it. The, the living and the dead and the original, what's the quick and the dead. It means life, quickening. And uh, some, I guess, generations ago, they would talk about uh, in Pentecostal circles, did you feel the quickening? Did you feel the quickening? And, and uh, see, what it is is that you, you sense the presence of God. And I, actually, as I'm saying that, I, I, I just, it's like I can't even use that word anymore. I just kind of sense the presence of God. And, you know, when you worship, as we're doing today, there's a quickening in the room. As we read Scripture, there's a quickening, typically. Not always. It's different every day. Sometimes you go to worship and there's nothing. That's okay. But sometimes you walk in the parking lot and boom, bada bing, you feel the quickening. And it's a quickening day kind of thing. And, but see, what, what happens is we love all. We show all sorts of different kinds of love. And we aren't afraid to get with the people that, that tick us off like crazy. That uh, God will show up with his quickening and do stuff that you and I could never in a bazillion lifetimes pull off. And we, I think, get more of the benefit than they get. I always say that you know when we do kindness outreach stuff, whether you're by yourself or doing a group stuff, that... It's really, um, well, I was in Prague uh, a number of years ago at Czechoslovakia, and I said it's more fun than shooting carp because my, my grandpa's farm, it would go low in July, and these big carp come by, and we'd shoot them and up on a big hill, and they'd explode, and it was really fun. And I said, Grandpa, isn't that kind of cruel? And he goes, Steve, there are way too many carp on planet Earth, so don't worry about it. And I'm there talking about it, and the guy translated puts his hand over the mic, and he goes, you know, uh, carp are kind of like our, our version of lobster. And I go, what? And he says, yeah, it, don't say anything bad about carp. And I said, I've already said it. And uh, so that night we go into a restaurant. There's huge carp in big tanks, and it's kind of like a, a Christmas meal. I'll take that one right there. And that's just the way they think. So, uh, you know, what it comes down to is that we aren't going to reject any kind of fish. No, we're going to love the carp. We're going to love the shrimp. We're going to love the steinbeets. And, and the cool thing about it, which I, I think is amazing, it, when that happens, it isn't the love of, of Steve, isn't the acceptance of Steve, but it's the, the flow of the Spirit going through me, and I think it's the most fun thing you can do on the planet. Does that make sense? 
I'm a movie buff. It's more fun than watching two or three, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And they're blowing things up and bazookas and grenades. And that's pretty much the top of the heap for movies, you know. But, but this is even way more fun than that. And then the last point is the point five. Have you read a 3.5 message before? Uh, okay, but, uh, okay, 3.5, it was fun. In fact, it wasn't just fun. I think they got the slide here. It was big fun. And, uh, you know, there's fun and then there's big fun with capital B. And uh, so I, I think what, what we're talking about here is that as we show up in, in availability and say, God, would you use me? God, would you uh, let me be a carrier of your kindness, of your life? I think some amazing, amazing stuff happens and, and I think that as when it's all said and done, I think we need to begin to look for, to anticipate the flow of the Spirit, uh, and whether it's challenging or not. And it's just a matter of time until it is challenging that the Uncle George thing happens, and you're carrying him out for the umpteenth year in a row, and you're thinking, why do I keep coming back to this uh, stinking Thanksgiving thing? It's because George needs you. You know, and Bob needs you because they, they have misunderstandings about who you are. And, and I remember the, when I first came to the Lord, I, I burned so many bridges with my relatives. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. I got them Bibles. And then I, <laughs> which is stupid to begin with, then I went through and I, I yellow lined the Roman road, which leads you to the Lord. And I left it open and, you know, I got you the one with the leather. I mean, this is real leather, not the invitation, you know, capskin, whatever. This is the real one. What are they supposed to do? Well, thank you. It's <laughs> so I've had to go back and, and to uh, apologize and to say, you know, I was a turkey back in those days. And, and then they become open, I think. And it becomes one of those things where I, I think as I go back and I don't live out of my own mind, but I live out of the presence of God, anticipating the, the, the quickening of the Spirit. Something big time happens almost every time. And so what I encourage you to do is just to open your heart. And, and then going back to that first story that I talked about with uh, the lady at the Starbucks, at the end of it, she was crying. Her husband's crying. We're not talking normal crying. I have a little crying system after doing this for a long time. Uh, we used to do free car washes. That doesn't work anymore because the cotton-picking cheerleaders got a hold of that one. It ruined it for everybody. And so now we do the, the, dollar, the dollar car wash. You know, have you guys maybe seen dollar car washers out there whistling? I'm really good at being the cheerleader. Your car's filthy. Get in here. And then, okay, and they pull in, you know, half the time. And so we're out there finishing, um, you know, cleaning cars, and we have what I call a designated evangelist. Because if you just wash the car, they end up driving away, don't even know why we did it. You know, it's kind of, and then, but at the end, we, we've talked to them, and they say, well, thank you so much. That was a great job for a dollar. We said, oh, no, no, you misunderstood. We give you a dollar for the privilege of washing your car. Again, it's the, it's the uh, quickening, you know. And I, I've labeled the rates of tears, a one through ten. And a one is uh, like only men can suck it back in. It's like a, it's a testosterone thing, I guess. And Women, they jump right ahead to the two on the scale. They, a little tear goes down here. It kind of evaporates on the way down. And uh, like a five is uh, nose action and, uh, and the eyes. And then a ten, doesn't happen very often, but a ten is, is horizontal crying. It goes out like this, you know. And if you have glasses on, you either need an Elton John windshield wiper glass or you need to just take them off, you know, because they're going to get wet. But I, I, what I've seen over and over and over again is that these, as God shows up, this 
level 10 kind of crying happens. It happened with both those people, the, the, the dad and the mom. And uh, I tell you what, if they were touched, more than 50% of the benefit happened to me, which is the cool thing. Again, big fun, big fun. If you want to you know, change your life, change your day, change your week, change your year for Pete's sake, go out and begin to just listen and do some low-stress, low-risk stuff. You know, I, I like this one, too. Let me give you another idea. You go through uh, Taco Bell. You know, I mean, you know, they, I'm not going to get into teasing Taco Bell. I sometimes do, but 99 cents for a taco, I mean, how can you beat that? And so I get to the front of the line. I go to the, uh, the person at the window. I say, how much is the person's meal behind me? And they say, well, it's da-da-da. And I say, well, how about the one behind them? Because it's too much, the one right behind me. <laughs> and they say, well, it's... Five dollars. said, oh, perfect. So I, I give her a five to pay for their meal. She goes, why did you do that? I said, I just want to show them a little bit of God's love. And we have these little cards printed up, and maybe you have them too, John. And uh, ours have the pastor's cell phone number on them. It says right there, pastor cell, colon, da-da-da. And the funny thing is, I get this from pastors all the time. I would get called all the time. I said, I've done this for five years with the, that card on it. I've gotten two calls. They're both from little old ladies, and thank you for, you know, the, breaking our leaves. And, you know, none of this stuff of being, you know, carried around. Pastors are so weird, wouldn't you agree? Um, not John and I, but some. And, uh, but they, you know, it's like, you know, we're celebrities, and if I get my phone number out, the next thing you know, people are standing in the front of my house, and that would be horrible. i got to talk to them and everything. I'm back there studying all the time. I can't do that. And so... We, we give out the, the card. The lady at the window, she says, what do you want me to say? And I, I give her the line, you know, I want to show God's love in a practical way. And they paid for your meal, whatever, and then give them the little card. And she goes, would you say that again? So here's the deal. You're kind of sharing the Lord with her at the window. Is that fun or what? And then she repeats it. Okay, you get this? She isn't even a believer yet. She's a not hyphen yet believer. And, and it's really cool. Can God use a, a not-yet-believer to evangelize? Absolutely, positively. And, and so she's talking. I mean, it's just, that's a super simple little thing. You don't even talk to the people. You, you with me here? There's so many things. And I think that living here in this part of Columbus, that as you just say, God, here I am. Open my eyes. Let me see. And I'll take a shot at it. And, uh, and I think that God's going to show up in a big way. It'll be incredibly exciting incredibly big fun and I think the most fulfilling thing you've done in a long time are you with me here let's stand up for a second and uh, kind of conclude here you guys what do you do at the end do you like do a song or something let's sing let's sing a song when I get I'm going to pray then we're going to do something we'll 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 sing after that but why don't you put your hands out in front of you like this like you're going to receive a, a gift at Christmas, maybe, in your hands. Now, let me, let me just pray for you. Uh, Lord, I, I bless this church. I bless this church in the name of Jesus with the, the power, the kindness, the presence of the Spirit. And maybe at the top of the list, the courage of the Spirit. Lord, let your encouragement fall upon us now in the name of Jesus. No matter how we're naturally wired, Lord God, We pray right now that you would touch us, and I release that upon you now in the name of Jesus. I release upon you the the power and the presence and the courage of the Spirit's uh, nearness. Let that happen, Lord, today, and we we pray that it it would change our lives. 
Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to pray for them. And I want you to release in them the same thing. I release the, the power of the Spirit upon your life. I release you to begin to, uh, to give away, to show, to uh, become a professional fisherman. And, and let's see what happens. Why don't you just pray for him? You say, I don't even do that. That's okay. No problem. So I just prayed for you. Why don't you just do it and pray for him? Go ahead and pray for him. Just release the Spirit. Lord, I, I bless this person to be not just filled, but to be a pipeline of your love in your life, Lord. Lord, give him, give her the courage of your kingdom. The courage of your kingdom, Lord God. And then pray for the person that prayed for you, okay? Let's take a second. I release upon you the, the presence and the life and the love of God, the not yet believer. Let them see with eyes, Lord, that only you can give us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, Fall afresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Let's do the melt me part again. Melt me. Mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Lord, we give you our lives. You've said so many times in Scripture that the most repeated prayer, Lord,